0: This week's Formula One view memories and take us through all things, to take us through this week's memory we have as always Michael O'Grady, our Formula One expert. Hello Michael, how are you?
1: Not too bad at all Aiden. how's things with yourself at the moment, especially knowing all this uh, kerfuffle going on with sports in Russia at the moment, Is it affected any of your own sports?
0: No, not at the moment. It doesn't affect our Scotland District League at the moment, anyway. But uh, I sure, yeah. sure, I thought the lads were
1: going <laughs> over there shortly,
0: no. <laughs> no, no, no. We're staying away from that, but uh, yeah. So this week we're uh, we're covering the Alan Prost in uh, nineteen eighty-six. But before that, we have a few things just to mention before we go on to that, and. Uh, yeah, like, like we just said there a minute ago, the uh, Formula One Grand Prix in Russia has been uh, pulled out of uh, Russia this uh, for this year or so, or for the coming season. Yeah. It's amazing when you can see the direction that other uh, sporting organisations around the world, like UEFA, FIFA, you know, the Champions League being pulled out of uh, Moscow and being given to Paris, all those kind of things. Coaches leaving Far, even like I was saying to you, a coach there, um, he played for Liverpool and he was coaching in Moscow. He left the club as well, and he's Russian as well, so he, he uh, didn't want to be involved. And the, this, uh, the Grand Prix is, is pulled out, and anyway, he is pulled out now as well. What are your thoughts on that? And also, you want
1: the,
0: the next well, as well
1: the russia grand prix was it was it was a, a a bit of a controversial one when they went there in the first place now the, the f1 association at the time kind of they came to a lot of um came into a lot of questions and a lot of people not being very hard but happy with them when they decided to go to, to to russia originally and they basically stated that they're not political they're just uh, they're just sports and that it. now i i don't think anybody can really do that you know it's you know non political yeah that that's absolutely fine if you're you know just local politics or you know things like that this is a little bit more past politics and i think the f1 did exactly the right thing they should do determined i think this is
0: more this is more of a human rights thing and uh, you can understand why i suppose you know and uh, i suppose it's in line with other sporting organizations and i think the sporting organizations are kind of under pressure because if they didn't pull out they would have been it would be nearly like seen as condoning it
1: Oh, well, absolutely. I'd agree with you totally. And and I do I do think it's more of a it's more of a human writing. It's more of a moral thing, really, really, isn't it? More than yeah. anything else. You know, this is wrong. You shouldn't be doing it. I'm sorry. We're not going now. Formula One has terminated their contract and it's not yeah. just for this year they have terminated their contract now. You know, as anybody knows, Formula One uh, contracts aren't easy to come by and they're exceptionally expensive. Um, so what Russia will do with that afterwards, I don't know, because there's an awful lot of money to be made from Formula One. But they have decided to pull out, I think rightly so too, Um. I think one of the drivers stated last week that there was no way in any circumstance. Um, I can see the guy's face now. I can't remember his name. I tell you, memory is a great thing. Watch him, call. I can see him. And, and he just said, um, he tries for Aston Martin. Anyway, it'll come back to me. Um, and he just said whether the race is going to Russia or not, he's not going, end of story. Which was a great and a brave thing to say. Um, uh, I mean the FIA don't like their drivers and things like that saying bad things about them but no I think it was definitely the right thing to do I think you know well I mean from, from a
0: driver's point of view as well it's it's a health and safety thing if that hadn't happened to them the drivers when they were in Russia
1: well I suppose the other thing about it is as well you know as unfair as it may be and all that sort of crack you know Ukraine have the right to retaliate if this is happening to them and, and who says they're not going to pick a sporting event you know, and it's nothing to do with other, the fact that, you know, the war is war as to say, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next, so yeah, again you know what's going to happen there there's also a curious one I was looking at during the week, um, Nikita Mezepin, as a, a lot of people will know um, is a Russian driver and there's actually uh, small question marks going around um, yeah. as to whether he'll be driving even this year, I mean you know, the termination of the Russian Grand Prix uh, will, means is you know, there's no longer a St. Petersburg shift from 2023 onwards. And that's a major blow to Russia's sporting community, I would say. You know, and I mean, the thing is, the contract was until 2025. So, in yeah. all likelihood, there ain't going to be any Formula One racing till then. Um, so, as the weather has team, I think, are happy with them. But as the weather or not, He's going to be able to continue on that with the amount of heat he's actually facing at the moment. He is just a, a sporting driver, as they say, you know. But I mean, he's, he's kind of feeling sort of the itch himself, sort of, you know, can I do it or can I not do it? Uh, as I said, am I right in saying also that the Paralympic Committee, where they supposed to be going? Um, to Russia are considering banning Russia, uh, uh, um, from taking part in 2022 Paralympic Games. Am I correct in saying that?
0: That's right, and the Olympics as well. Last year as well, the um, they they were called the Russian um the Russian committee or something like that for last week's for last year's Olympic Games and things like that so mm. yeah it's having a lot of repercussions but more so as you said for the for Formula 1 uh, yeah, at the moment yeah. because it's such an expensive sport
1: well uh, what the thing is I suppose it is but the, the Formula 1 train will move on and if we're down a race yeah. well we're still in for a good year and I'm sure there'll be more than one track going hello we've paid our contract we run two races <laughs> yeah yeah a situation to make a bit more money i'm sure no one will argue with that one <laughs> yeah that, that's the thing
0: and the, the other piece of news that you wanted to cover as well michael
1: oh yes that was we had pre-running in spain last week now you, you know yourself spain is basically assessing the cars that like seeing what they're going around see how fast we can push it uh things like that two things came up to me um Max Verstappen was on his new Red Bull rb one But They've always got very nice names on these cars, haven't they? They couldn't call it something we can't yeah. remember. But he actually clocked a hundred and fifty laps on his first day in Barcelona um and he basically left the day smiling and said that car is reliable <laughs> so they're obviously looking at something else and, and there's no there's no point predicting anything other than that but he's but he's he's quite happy with that. but the thing I found curious was something I hadn't heard in a very, very long time um it was almost like a blast in the past. I think it was about about 40 years ago, the last time you heard the term, and that was porpoising. Yes, the cars are porpoising in, uh, in 2022. Now, you're saying to yourself, what the heck is absolutely that? Well, there's new aerodynamic regulations as we know were far too confusing, confusing to mention. I have to admit we could be here for days, but virtually every team was every team was complaining about the same thing. Now what happens is, basically when they're running the cars at high speeds, there's a bit of a. A bit of a violent bouncing is going on with the suspension. It's a aerodynamic cause really where the, the, the leading edge of the floor or perhaps the front wing is, is being pushed ever closer to the ground as the downforce uh, increases on it. And the closer it gets to the ground, the more powerful the ground effect is, so every so often the ground effect rushes up and pushes it in the opposite direction. So that was just a little thing I thought everyone might be interested in. We'd have to see how one pans out, but um, yeah, that's not going to be good for racing.
0: <laughs> right? Do you think will that will that lead to more crashes, or what, what will how will it affect the sport?
1: Oh, it'll be in It'll be absolutely insane To be quite honest with you You can imagine When you hit high Up until high speeds You're fine But when you're at Serious high speeds The car's going to violently Bounce up and down With the driver Now From where we see it It looks like it's bouncing From the driver's eye view Oh my god This thing is all place. They're going to have to do Something about it They can't They can't have the season That way And I think currently They're looking into um, Allowing little tweak With the aerodynamics In order to try and Stop that from happening! It is way too dangerous to be quite honest with you. They can't can't have cars running around like that, as they say, you know. Yeah.
0: And what's the story then, from the point of view of um, of um, Lewis Hamilton? Is he or is he not uh, taking part again? Is he or is he not uh, going to give it another
1: another blast this season? Oh, he is giving it a blast this season. Um, he's giving it a very muted blast this evening, this this season. Um. Lewis hasn't been in the news as much as he normally is. And he hasn't been given as many interviews as he normally does. I actually, I, I, I don't know. I think in the back of his mind, he believed he had won the last season. Um, before the last race, he had it. And yeah. I would still say to this day, now even looking back on us, that he was ready to say, I'm retiring. Um, yeah. And it didn't pan out that way because he was very... You could see from the end of the race, he was very stressed and he was very off. Now, I can't blame him for that. I mean, yeah. God, it was a crazy race. The race before it was even more insane. It was all over the place. It, it's, it was hard for people watching it to get their heads around it. Never mind guys sitting in cars going, what's going on now? You know, and yeah. um, he's been very reserved. He hasn't really come out with an awful lot. I'm not sure what Lewis is doing. I, I, think, I think Lewis would like to win it once more. And I think if he can get the eighth world championship, he's gone. But I've a sneak suspicion, I have a sneaking suspicion—I could be wrong. I have a sneaking suspicion this will be the last year we'll see him in Formula One. He is well; he's not exactly a young buck anymore now, as they say. You know, he's. But um, well,
0: he, I think this season he is kind of out to prove a point. And um, you you know you'd like to think that there's going to be new rules brought in on the back of last year's what happened last year, but uh, I suppose really though you know um I I know I've spoken to a few people that are big into Formula One along along with yourself, uh you know had a look back on things and there has been a few articles, many an article written on it, and I think when the when the when the evidence was looked back on. Really, I know we all know what actually did happen and things like that. But maybe mm. you know people. People, a lot of people say that. Well, yeah, he should have. He should have been awarded the. He should have got the the trophy. Yeah, based on the evidence that people have seen and reports and things like that.
1: It's hard to say. I I I think he's got his. You see that there, there is, as in every sport, there's there's an aspect of pure skill. Now, there's no doubt he's one of the best drivers out there. There's no yeah. doubt whatsoever. Uh, there's no doubt to me there's 22 of them on the track and they're the best drivers in the world. But I think on a psychological edge, I think Max Verstappen has it. Um, it was a bit like... Very reminiscent of Schumacher and Um yeah. Hakkinen was, uh, you know, an incredible driver. He still is the man does rallies and also is still he's an amazing driver. But there was a bit of a psychological edge Schumacher got on him through fighting him, you know, fighting behind him, catching him, doing the unexpected all the time. Max Verstappen basically did that last year. He came out of absolutely nowhere. No one expected him to be there. He fought hammer and tongues. If he could even sniff that he could get ahead, even for two laps, he did it. He didn't play, you know, it was just, if I can get ahead, I don't care if it's not for the whole race. Even if I can get ahead for a lap, I'll do it. You know, it just was, he was absolutely relentless. And even in that last race, um, with Checo backing up Hamilton the way he did and everything of that, it seemed when you look at it, Hamilton had no support whatsoever. Whereas Max was—he was falling back, but he had the support of the team. He had the support of to say his his team mess, He had the support of everything. It just—it really was. You could, you say, you could say
0: really, Michael. He was hard done by in a way, and you know, I think from what what he said in this, said, no, you can't blame him for how he came out about it because it was to it was to a large extent. Um, kind of an, an injustice. It was what happened after that, after what happened, if you know what I mean, the, the events after the incident during that race. Yeah. What happened after that was an injustice. The way the way it was, um, the the way it, the decisions that were made by the powers that be, um, yeah. the test, the test, the um, Grand Prix director, the race director. But um, I suppose that's that that's something that we can uh, <laughs> discuss on, on another day. But I suppose uh, moving on to the memory for this week, and we're oh. talking about the, uh, nineteen about Alan Prost in nineteen
1: eighty six. Indeed, what, we're talking what, about where um, he is. Yeah, we're, yeah we're, we're talking about the Australian Grand Prix, believe it or believe it not, which was held on the 26th of October in 1986. I know, I looked it up. <laughs> and it was at the Adelaide Street Circuit. And I said, it wasn't your usual one. It was the 16th and final race of the 1986 Formula One Championship. Now, in the immortal words of Paul Egan, I'm known all over the world for my tendency to exaggerate, but this was a cracker of a race. (laughs) It was basically down to... Now, the the circuit was a lot different. This was a temporary street circuit. This isn't isn't what you have these days on their lovely island park, and they can clear it out and do everything they want to when it's low on traffic. This was a a street circuit. Uh, And a couple of areas were a bit, you know... I, I'd say one or two of the corners, definitely definitely around turn 11 was about as one of the most distressed surfaces I'd seen this side of Jeremy Clarkson's face. Uh, thankfully, a couple of well-placed uh, tyre walls helped that one, but it was in bad condition in one or two places. Now, 82 laps, beautiful sunny day, 3.78 kilometres. You know, you're thinking, yeah, it's going to be a good day. It's going to be a good day. Well, there was three drivers in for for contention for this one we had the amazing Nigel Mansell driving for Williams Honda fantastic amazing driver he was in the lead with 70 points at that stage while reigning world champion Alain Prost driving the McLaren was second at 64 and uh, Mansell's teammate Nelson Piquet another great name um, he was third in 63 now it was well known that the Williams had the better car far superior in, in speed to the McLaren Really, I have to admit, than anything else. So, you know, Williams. I think personally, and my, Nigel Mansell thought this was in the bag, you know, uh, and to see what was going. Now, the title permutations would make it go cross-eyed, really. Um, if proster PK needed to win the race and hope that Mansell finished lower than third, um, that was the kind of thing they were looking at. Or Mansell just needed to finish. Thor, that's all he did to seal the title, and um, because at that stage, you know, points were only awarded to top six, which was nine, six, four, three, uh, two, and one. Not like the are today. It's I think it's more confusing today. But we won't go there. <laughs> yeah. But that, that's the way it was, you know. If you if you do get this one up on YouTube now, crank up the volume because this was a season of of real horsepower, turbocharged engines, the works. You know, absolutely a fan. Fantastic stuff. had was a heavyweight. It produced up to like 1,500 1, horsepower. You know, and it was the engine was you know explosive in more than one sense. I suppose at the time, <laughs> Fair, <laughs> fair a, few share in other words. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a fair few along the way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I would say that that the, the Renault engine actually was, was powerful for a, for a lap. I have to admit, but it was weak in kind of. Demands at the time. This is this this is a quote from Ayrton Senna. He reckoned it was weak for the race, um, whereas it was absolutely amazing for like one lap. You're absolutely laughing, you know. But that's the way it was. That and Ayrton, the qualifying actually saw Nigel Mansell taking pole position right. from his um, from his team Nelson Piquet by only .2 of a second. That's absolutely incredible, and and, and you know. You people like Renny Arnoux and Gerhard Berger in this race it's just a fabulous one if you do get a chance to watch it and turn it up on YouTube do and but what a lot of people were surprised at on the day was that the very famous Ayrton Senna was third in his Lotus Renault now he did make that comment about the Renault engine at the time which was unusual because Renault engines were normally phenomenal but um, this particular year it wasn't good so you had Alan Prost now starting in fourth place on a race day. Well, the prospect of that three-way battle of the championship being crowned had about, I think, about 150,000 people at that course. In 1986, that was... It was staggering. Um, I'd like to know how much money they made personally, but we won't go there. <laughs> 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 but on the start, Mansell. Yeah, you have to go through their accounts. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Off on the start, you had Mansell first, PK second, Senna third. Not really, because Mansell uh, yielded the lead to Senna straight away on the second corner of lap one. Absolutely incredible racing from Senna. He just. You know, did what he normally does, you know, just t- takes up yeah. a wheelie bin and shoots across in front of everybody with it. It was unbelievable. It really was. And then he fell both behind PK and Rosberg and on the same lap it was just incredible pk also overtook senna actually on lap 1 so it was it was getting into a bit of a situation that wasn't looking good for nigel Mansell, i have to admit you know from starting yeah. first to suddenly be down in third pro, third and fourth place it was just it was a bit crazy really you know uh, Rosberg took the league from pk uh, at one stage and there was a sizable gap between basically the two of them and the rest of the uh, rest of the field on lap 23 it became significant because Nelson it's in PK spun it wasn't that uncommon back then it's very unusual these days but you know it wasn't but through sheer skill look uh, I don't know whatever you think yourself no damage at all was sustained by the car and he, could see, he, he continued the race um, despite dropping several places back uh, You're uh, hardcore you know, <laughs> I'm absolutely telling you you know Alain Prost uh, suffered a puncture actually a few laps later, and he dropped down to fourth position after having a pit. The puncture was, um, to me it looked like something was thrown up by the spin. Um, whether that was a piece of a car or not, uh, these days they kind of tend to spot those things faster. They don't tend didn't tend to spot it that much back then. It was just how fast are you going? Um, so he was stuck back to fourth, and Senna really, his race it was as he predicted. You know, he he only managed third on the starting grid, I suppose. Not considering bad that he had, you know, very little expectation of a car, you know. And and yeah. and when the race came, of course, the Renault was a disappointment again. Unfortunately, whole car broke down on lap 43. And he was trying to drive out of his skin. He just did not have the right car. But the focus of attention totally at that stage remained on Alan Prost to win this. Due to Nigel Mansell then had to retire on lap 63. So... Could he become the world champion once again, raining on the Williams parade? He was hoping to win. He was hoping to win it, as they say. You know, the battle came. They came one for the lead on lap sixty-three. Really did, and then Rosberg suffered a right tire failure and a retirement from the race. Rosberg later uh, later said that. Uh, he would never won the race anyway unless Prost failed to finish or had a, a, a sufficient problem that he would not be able to challenge, as I say. He was being caught anyway, you know. So it just didn't, it wasn't going to pan out for him. It was as simple as that. It just, it wasn't going to happen. And at least he said that, you know, that that's the way it was. But Prost, Prost had passed Mansell for third, uh, then became second when Rosberg retired. Now Pique was leading. Mansell only needed third place to finish the race to the championship and uh, on lap 64 his left tyre exploded at 290 kilometres per hour (laughs) you'd want to have some tyres to withstand that I'm telling you and he was right on the high speed Brabham straight. it was just oh my god how he even kept the car going you know and he was, actually, he was actually lapping Ligier at the time, you know. And, and he sent kind of a shower of sparks flying behind him. It was, uh, you know, uh, severely damaging his left suspension. He was out of the race. That was it. The Williams caused it to a stop and runoff area at the end of the straight. Yeah. And uh, Mansell managing, I don't know how, to avoid hitting anything. You know, fearing that something hopefully what happened to the second car but it wasn't to be uh, you know, Prost drove an absolutely magnificent, magnificent race uh, made a real late charge, uh, just closed everybody down and it was absolutely incredible, if you can see this this was the last race for the, the Renault turbo engine, uh, the French company being I suppose, you know, pioneers in Formula 1's turbo charging uh, back in 1977 it was Re- Renault's last F1 race as an engine supplier onto the return in 1989 believe it or believe it or not with the Williams team again. So Alan Prost went straight across to finish uh, 82 points absolutely or 82 laps you should say absolutely incredible Nelson Piquet behind him. It was very disappointing as you could understand for the likes of Alan Jones retired Ayrton Center retired it was just one of those races poor Nigel Mansell went off too my heart did go out to Nigel Mansell watching the race because you know I think he was driving so well he really 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 deserved to win that year but the, the good thing was I suppose to a certain extent you know Adam Pross won by by two points Um, 72 to 70 but at least you know Nigel Mansell and the Williams Honda team they actually had first in the Constructors Championship which was quite good well on a Prostag McLaren team in second place so if you're out there if you're in for a good race and you want to hear a, a bit of a snarl of a turbocharged engine have a look at the nineteen eighty six season. You will enjoy yourself.
0: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, for uh, for all you for all you petrol heads out there now, that's a Formula One petrol heads. Uh, that's a, a sight to behold and a sound to behold from the sounds of it as well. So,
1: oh, I'm telling you something else. You don't want to be too <laughs> close to them on site now,
0: but uh, <laughs> for Paul Egan there now in, a, in, in two Formula One cars, uh, you know it, it'll be uh, it'll be some show.
1: Yeah, we'd be all right driving them actually, because we're both part, we're both practically deaf anyway, so it wouldn't make any difference us. <laughs> no, no
0: problem at all. No problem. Listen, thanks very much for doing this week's Formula One, uh, Formula One, few memories with us this week, and we look forward to doing it all again next week.
1: No problem. We'll talk to you then, Aidan. Take care.
0: No, no problem. Thanks very much, and that was Michael O'Grady, our Formula One expert. Yeah.
1: Yeah.